It's WKXL in the morning on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Having a regular segment here with Jeff Feingold over at the New Hampshire Business Review. How's it going? Doing very well, AJ. How's it going with you? Very busy, very busy. <laughs> Summer's supposed to slow down. It did not really, but we made yeah. it do. Join the club. Um, so looking at uh, some articles on your website, something that really stood out is the kind of mediocre rankings that CNBC yeah. gave New Hampshire on uh, national business friendliness. Were you surprised to see us uh, ranked at 35? Well, let's put it this way. We're not accustomed to seeing New Hampshire ranked that low. But when you look at the methodology they used, that you know it, it, it was mostly about how, how New Hampshire promotes itself to other uh, business to businesses to, to either move here to stay here whatever and it, it does kind of it is kind of in line because that you know the, the major the major thing we got we got we got ranked very high or relatively high for uh, just the overall business friendliness which is something that we're always promoting how business friendly we are we're all, and we got we also got uh, a rank high for education because I think that's a, that's something that's uh, promoted in the state and also about, you know, basically our lifestyle, which is in a lot of ways, the number one thing we promote. So, but there were so many other things like the workforce availability, infrastructure, the cost of doing business, uh, other things like that, where we got very low rankings or relatively and access to capital, which is not even mentioned. And we were number 48 for that. Because that's, uh, that's something we don't talk about because access to capital is not as easy in New Hampshire as it is in many other states. And I, and I think it's true that the closer you are to Boston, probably the better access to capital you have. But for the most part, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not easy to get it in New Hampshire. Yeah, what really drives so, increasing access to capital? Is it a matter of the Yeah, it's having the infrastructure to to provide the kind of capital that's required for the business, like a startup business or, you know, we, we, you know, you hear a lot about uh, venture capital funds. There are a couple in the state, but for the most part, if you're a a tech startup in New Hampshire, you're going to be going elsewhere to get your, your, your venture capital. If you are a, uh, just a regular old startup, you know, it's, it's not, there's not this, there's not these pockets of money that are just looking to, to invest in you besides you know banks and other kinds of similar institutions that are everywhere so there's not there's not like a a state fund a state fund like they do have in other states where they'll, they'll give you some money or whatever so it's like new hampshire it's it's not like it's a it's got to be put in perspective because there are other rankings that New Hampshire is very high up on you know one or two they're number one or two but in this one it's a different way of looking at how new hampshire is selling itself to other businesses around the country. There are businesses that say, yeah, I want the lifestyle. Yeah, I want I want the business friendliness. I want to make sure there's not enough there's not much regulation. And that's definitely true in New Hampshire. But there are other things that businesses are looking for, other kinds of businesses are looking for that maybe we're not attracting as easily because of the way we market ourselves. Uh, and inherently, because we're a small kind of rural state in the yeah. outskirts of Boston, where many yeah. the big businesses, I mean, you, you as soon as you get past Nashua, they, they start popping up these enormous institutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I have to think about, a lot of businesses that are pretty high up in the rankings, and I'm thinking North Carolina was number one, you know, they have very dynamic infrastructures for, you know, 
it, it also has another thing New Hampshire was pretty ranked pretty low was infrastructure itself. Mm-hmm. And they have dynamic infrastructures. They work very very aggressively attracting businesses to North Carolina. And they also, you know, and, and one of the ways things they do, one of the ways they do is giving money to businesses to open up there. They do it in a lot of a lot of states. And New Hampshire doesn't do that. We have basically a, uh, you know, that's just not the way we do business. We don't believe in that stuff. So in that way, we will get ranked lower because we're not saying, hey, come to New Hampshire. We'll give you a, a billion dollars off your property tax bill. You know, it doesn't work that way. But yeah, it it's, it's many, the, the balance the balance yeah. that we have here where it's it feel like regardless it's not even political just libertarian leaning for yeah, come here you do what you want you were most likely going to yeah. leave you alone so the reason why library and such is down in down in manchester in the mill yard and dine dns was down there for a long time and uh it, it's a totally different uh way to consider how you want to operate actually the other day uh there was a big announcement that Tesla, or, or not Tesla, but a, a battery company that's building batteries like for automobiles, picked, moved to, is moving, opening up a brand new plant in Kansas. Hmm. And I think, well, why Kansas? And it's for 4,000 jobs. I mean, manufacturing jobs are great jobs, great business. But Kansas is providing money, saying, oh, wow. you come here, we're going to give you, the, we'll give you land. We'll, we'll help you build your factory. You know, we'll help you train your workforce, and that we don't do that in our yeah. So it, it that's a, it's it, and it's not so. And by choice, we don't do that. So you know, it's it's not it 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 also helps in terms of the work business friendliness. And so it's like we have a lot, you know, because once I once you're taking money even from a state like Kansas, there's a lot of red tape you're dealing with. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you are. So yeah, it's not going to be the same thing here. Yeah. yeah, and the next state after North Carolina was Washington State, which at this point is basically between C- dealing with Seattle and San Francisco yeah. and all that. It's like it's kind of the in-between area where there's still space to kind of fill in for these tech companies to expand. Yeah, and, also, and, they ha- and, they, and their workforce is so, uh, you know, it's way, way up there in terms of the quality of the workforce. And also, excuse me, and also, you know, the other thing with, with, with Washington State is they have such an ecosystem already. That businesses just naturally gravitate there. I, you know, I, my my son and my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter—I should say—my granddaughter and her parents live, live in the Seattle area. And we were last time I was there it was a few months ago. That I'm driving, and there's this huge construction project going on. And he lives in Kirkland, Washington, which is across the lake. Huge construction project. So what's that? He says that's going to be Google's other campus. They're building another campus in Kirkland, Washington. They already have something in Seattle. They certainly have all that stuff down in California where they're based. They're building another huge campus in the Seattle area that's going to, you know, it looked like it was going to be a couple thousand jobs just by the size of, 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 the, of the buildings that were being built. And this is the kind of stuff that happens. It's like kind of like just feeds it on itself. It's just like 128 in Boston. You know, it just feeds on itself. Yeah, and all the inf- all the other businesses are able to capitalize on these new jobs that are higher paying jobs, so they're more likely to want to pay for more services. They work yes. crazy hours, so they're just going to pay to have Uber drive them around. They're going to want yes. all the local uh, restaurants to be higher end, which are going to in turn play- pay their employees more because there's more money floating yes. around in all these. Yes, that's why. You know, that's why, and also that's another reason why Washington State, especially the Seattle area, not not, not eastern Washington is among the highest uh, priced uh, uh, housing markets in, in the country 
it's it's rivaling you know the you know San Francisco, Boston, Washington, uh, New York, and that's uh, you know that that's what has you know that's what happens with that with, with success breeds higher higher costs. And continuing the the concept of housing being seen as a need to develop business, I mean, New Hampshire just recently passed uh, the invent invest New Hampshire uh, funding, which is. Uh, I, we've been talking about for a couple months here, seeing what that would do, and it looks like it could mean some big things for Exeter, including uh, 224 yes. residential units. Yeah, this big. Uh, there's a developer from Nashua, Tom Monahan, who's been uh, very active in in, in building uh, projects like this over the many years, and he's he's planned building this uh, mixed mixed use project in Exeter. For 224 residential units and some commercial space, which he didn't define too much, but it's probably going to have retail and offices, you know, like usually. But the interesting thing is that he said it's, an, it's like an $80 million project, but he said he, he the, the, the thing that put him on the, over the top in terms of building it was the availability of this Invest in H money. He's, he, he put in for about $3, $3 million dollars. And the requirement for that is that 20, 20% or 25% of the units have to be affordable housing units. And that's what he's going to have. So, you know, 50 or so of those units will be affordable by the standards required. I think it's 30% of, yeah, I don't know what, I, I, I'm not going to pretend what I know. It's just a percentage <laughs> of an income. And, uh, you know, he, he said that it was really a real shot in the arm for him to say, you know, let's build this. And uh, it seems like this, it seems like pretty, smooth sailing in Exeter, you know, and uh, it's a big deal to have that many housing units, uh, especially if a big chunk of them are going to be, uh, you know, affordable. It's too bad they're not all affordable. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, you know, it's a sign. This is what this, this is exactly what this Invest in H is going to do. But looking at it as a glass half full, that's $3 million out of 100, or not out of 100, out of 50, because it's $50 million going to developers. So, that's not that many projects that can be built with that, with expecting that kind of money. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, it, it's like, like we we're just talking about with regards to the rankings. Like, it, it, in the very least, it shows goodwill that the government yes. wants to have people do stuff. And that if yes. something like this does well, and developers obviously seem to be jumping at it, means down yeah. the road there may be more availability for funds like this. Because guess what? We build more properties, going to be more property taxes coming in, and the state will, in theory, have more funds yes. to be able to fund future developments, which we yes. definitely well, need. That, that's part that's part of this invest in nature is to give financial incentives to communities to towns and cities to ensure that their regulations attract developments like this house develop housing developments that include an affordable aspect to it to to way to kind of jump start uh, getting some affordable housing built but I, but when, when I'm looking at the numbers that that Tom Monahan is is, is, is hoping for is three million out of 50. That's uh, you know it realized that's a it's a lot of money fifty million dollars I'm not I'm not scoffing at that but it, you realize that the 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 breadth of the situation we have before us when you talk about we we have a deficit of twenty to thirty thousand dollars twenty to thirty thousand housing units that we need right now that could we could fill right now and uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a really uh, that's that's a, that's a long uh, hill to climb. 
Yeah, it is. And I'd imagine Exeter, especially if there's more housing developments, is going to be fairly popular when it comes to uh, getting more people uh, in the workforce in the Seacoast region. Like, if you look at it on maps, I mean, Exeter is going to be a, uh, a, a suburb of Portsmouth and such. It's close to the highway, and Portsmouth's pretty darn full. That's exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's good, you know, it's a good spot. I mean, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see what the next projects are that, that are going to be looking for the money. And that, that'll be a really interesting thing to see as we move forward. And, you know, maybe the state will be enticed to just say, let's let's sweeten the pot. Let's put some more money in there. You never know. There's, yeah, money, available. There's money available. Yeah. It, yeah. I really think especially if if businesses jump on this right now and immediately start scooping it up, it's um, it'd be best for, guess what, the election's right around the corner. If you say, hey, th- this, way, this, this, this was very effective to get people to kind of step up and try and work at uh, zoning, putting in new buildings and things like that in the coming years, I would imagine the Republicans especially would be going, hey, we're responsible for this. We're going to make sure this continues to happen if you vote for us. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and so, I, you know, I'm, I think it's hopeful because – it took many years for the state to get to this point where we have a thing like the Invest in H fund. And it's, I think that if it proves its worth, then the state will say, you know, let's, let's keep going with that. Let's, let's, let's see what else we can do with some more money or try to get some other funds to put into it and maybe expand and they try to expand it a little bit more because it, it is. And as we've talked about many times on this show, that that's a, it's a dire need for housing. Yeah. And I know that, uh, you know, with inflation, it's becoming even more apparent how difficult it is for, for people to afford housing because there's just not enough inventory and you know rent, rent, rents are going up and it's and the higher interest rates go the the very the, the, the less likelihood that people will be able to buy a house. Yeah, we're gonna be even house. more relying on these apartment complexes exactly. as they come in exactly. for sure. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I want to leave enough time here to talk about uh, there's a solar energy development uh, that's trying to be done here in the states. It's uh, it, it's interesting seeing these these solar panel fields pop up all over the place around New England. My yeah. I, my family all lives up in uh, Central Maine and outside of Augusta. And you go to Augusta, Maine, there's this huge field, like multiple fields all connected, and then right around the corner, another field just entirely full of solar panels. Yeah. And the the complexity of trying to figure out to get that energy to where it needs to do to go and what people can have access to it is just mind-boggling to figure out the how it actually ends up where it has to go yeah i you know i actually it, it's it's interesting because what it was they they passed these these two new laws that'll make it a little bit easier to develop renewable energy you know solar energy but it's it's still not at the level of a place like maine actually where maine has the very robust solar energy. we, we don't really see that in, in may in new hampshire where you see these huge solar fields all over the place you see it in vermont you see them in uh, Massachusetts where they also have wind projects, <clears throat> but it's not as much here in New Hampshire because we're not giving these in- much incentive to major projects where it's like, you know, bigger projects, these five megawatt projects, which is probably what you're seeing in Maine. So, it, but this is something that's going to help promote, they're going to help lower the costs in terms of bigger projects that can want, in terms of, it's like a minor, it's not minor, but it's interconnect fee. The fee for connecting to a utility varies from utility to utility. And I think from 
geographical area to geographical area. So what this, this bill, what this law is going to do is basically try to set up a standard for the utilities to follow. So it would be a little more predictable for developers of this stuff. Um, you know, net metering is still a big deal that's not been answered for these large projects because they're not eligible under the state rules right now. But they are expanding it to like community power projects and things like that, which are, which is helpful. It's helpful because it helps, it helps, gives us more renewable energy. But when you look at the, the rate increases recently that we've seen from Liberty and Eversource and even, even the electric co-op, which is a little bit lower, but you know, we're talking about 50% fuel increases you know, for the, for the, for the, uh, for the fuel charge of, uh, on your bill, that's, uh, it's not as high as it is. It's higher than it is in, in, in all the other states in New England because they have much more robust renewable energy infrastructure. So apparently, you know, obviously when you're using renewable energy, you're not using natural gas or oil or coal. So you're, you're immune, more immune to that. They, they, their rates have going up because they, they still use oil and, and, and natural gas, and certainly, and certainly natural gas, which has been going through the roof, but they don't use as much as we do because we, in New Hampshire, we use more because we have less renewable energy providing our uh, energy, uh, you know, our electricity. Who, who's building these panels? This has been very mind-blowing to me to figure out is all the these, these electric projects are not part of uh, Liberty and Unitil and such. It's outside contractors and companies. It's outside contractors. Yeah, actually, some of them are pretty big companies. Like, uh, you know, there are some major energy companies are, are among uh, are among the uh, investors in solar energy. I know there's a subsidiary of Next Next Year Energy, which is the owners of Seabrook and other power plants like that. They they uh, they they're, they've invested a lot in uh, in solar energy. I know Indorola, which is a company based in Spain, which is an international company, they're big into wind, and that's another that's another aspect of things that we that we don't really have that much of, and could have more certainly wind because of the mountains, you know. But there's there's been some debates, sometimes very heated debates on building wind farms around New Hampshire, and. Uh, you know, it's 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 something I can I can kind of understand people who are against it, who oppose it in their in their neighborhoods or in, in their community, but in the scheme of things, it's it seems like a logical thing to do in terms of not worrying about how the rest of the world's energy situation is, because it's going to be less of an effect on us if the more in renewable energy we have. And I mean, if that's been the argument since the oil embargoes of the seventies. And it, we still we still haven't really in New Hampshire in particular we've not really moved that far we haven't really moved the meter as far as we could, but you know that's a, that's a public policy issue in a lot of ways that keeps being debated every every year in the legislature. Complex situations that we're not going to sort out right now in a twenty minute segment. We <laughs> we will talk about more in the future. Jeff Feingold of the New Hampshire Business Review. Thanks for joining me. It was great talking with you, AJ. Take care. You listen to KXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. We'll be right back after this.